Ni hao. Bonjour. Konnichiwa. Hello. Guten Morgen. <laughs> Welcome to Lectionary Mixtape. I'm your co-host, Daniel Eisenberg. And I'm your co-host, Ben Siebert. Each week we take a look at the text, we talk about those texts, and then we offer up a special musical offering related to those texts. And happy Pentecost, everyone! Yeah, we're excited to be here with you. If you didn't catch on uh, from the beginning, uh, and we've got a lot of texts to go through today. Uh, these texts for the day of Pentecost in year A include Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 3b through 13, and John chapter 20, verses 19 through first reading for this Sunday comes from Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared upon them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Fergie and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men sh shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. And the sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before coming the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So... Cool. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's like, it's cool. That's, that's your sermon right there. This is cool. Cool things the Holy Spirit does. All right. Anyway, I'm feeling punchy. So, yeah. all right. So a couple 
there's like so many different ways you can go. You can explore the Holy Spirit. Um, I preached a sermon, I think it was last year, that looked at the wind and fire imagery of the Holy Spirit. And instead I went into uh, how different plants spread their seeds. And there's like through wind, uh, through uh, water, through other animals, and then also through fire, that there's a uh, kind of uh, pine, I think it is, where the pine cones, when they get hot enough, they kind of explode and their seed go all over the place. And um, even after a fire, something can be regrown. Um, and so that might be kind of neat to be like, yes, that's kind of what the Holy Spirit does. You know, um, maybe that's why the Holy Spirit appears as fire, as scary as it might be. Uh, it builds up good news pressure until um, good things can take root. Um, so we have a good news volcano going on? Yeah, definitely. Could be good news volcano. Again, uh, nice children's sermon, maybe, or illustration right yeah maybe it depends on how we feel about the volcano yeah mm -hmm. i think i i've noticed a pattern dan in our approach to some of these high moment seasons where uh at christmas and at easter we feel a lot of pressure um to to preach a, a stellar sermon but then on other days where it's kind of a high mark in the church year, but not necessarily a high mark in the secular experience. So Holy Trinity, you know, mm -hmm. Pentecost, Reformation, moments like that, we can get excited, but then sometimes we feel like we're just kind of staring at the text wondering like what all the fuss is about. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but this feels like one of those moments where our churches and by our churches, I mean our people's experience of this day doesn't quite match the foundational hoopla that we're getting in the text. And I don't say hoopla to be facetious. I say hoopla as a grasping for a word that means exuberance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do you how do you convey that excitement? How do you convey this is something huge that is happening? This is the appearance of the Holy Spirit. This is people from many different languages being bound together as one people in Christ and many people hearing the good news and wow, that's hap like how do you convey that excitement and really get people to believe again? that this is happening, that this is still happening now. People are experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit and just going wild for it. Um, it's probably not a off-key version of happy birthday to you, to the church, uh, is my guess. Um, <laughs> All right, but, so I should like mark that off of my page right now. Yeah, but if you put like a whole lot of fiery sparklers on top of that cake, maybe. <laughs> like... <laughs> Something and like, I've seen people like lay rubbing alcohol on top of the baptismal font or on top of the water of the baptismal font and light it on fire. And like, my first instinct Whoa. is to be like, oh, whatever. Like, okay, that's pretty gimmicky. But part of me is like, yo, get people excited. This should be weird and exciting and kind of dangerous. So 
yeah, do that. Break out the streamers. Have a big parade in, like into the church, something. Like, get excited. I agree. And I think we'll wind up being in the same place that the 11 were <laughs> and everybody else that was speaking in tongues. Um, we'll, pro we'll probably be having this, like, really neat moment. And then parts of our congregation and others that see it will be like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> are you drunk? <laughs> like, I don't get this. And, and I'm not sure it'll be because they see the Holy Spirit and they don't know what's going on, or if they just see us whipping ourselves into a frenzy and they don't understand why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, then in that case, maybe it merits a deeper look into what is the miracle that's happening here? Because it's not just about a flashy show, right? It's not just yeah. about the fire and about the wind. I mean, that might grab our attention initially, but the miracle here is not that everybody spoke one neutral language. This is not Esperanto or something like that. Um, but it's everybody understands each other in their own native language, which is very cool um, and very ripe for... Uh, parallels for today and mm -hmm. to do some holy imagining what would it look like if we understood the language of our neighbor uh, and it might be literal like we're in a community with a lot of people who speak Arabic and what would it be like if suddenly this predominantly English-speaking congregation knew Arabic and like we could connect on that deeper level okay that's fine but also like how do you go deeper than that and talk about you know, what would it look like for this uh, suburban white congregation to know what it's like to um, to be a young black man who's uh, afraid of getting killed taking a jog, um, to use a contemporary example? Like, that type of experience that you don't know, um, how can we be open to that and to be bound together like the common experience the common denominator is the work of the holy spirit that god is making this possible to hear that good news of jesus who gave himself for us and who uh, saves us from sin and death and gives us a new tomorrow like that's our 21st century pentecost and maybe that could just be the point of the sermon is just exploring what would a 21st century pentecost look like I mean, what does it mean where Amon Arbery and the men that chased him down would both have words spoken to them and they would understand them? Mm -hmm. I would also say that the Holy Spirit brings, as we hear throughout John, truth. Mm -hmm. What truth would be spoken about? that situation and our cultural situations and the situation of who we are as a church. Yeah. And the truth hurts. The truth is hard. Things are a lot easier and simpler when you don't have to hear another person's language or another person's, another person's tongue or another person's experience. But life is richer. The world is better. Good news gets spread. I think the calling that I hear um, about the truth of our church is, is that we're not very neighborly right now. And mm -hmm. I can't speak for the whole, the whole universal church. I can only speak for the congregations 
that I'm in communication with, I don't see a lot of neighborly action coming from the church as a whole. A lot of individuals can stand up and say, I know all my neighbors, my neighbors all know me. That's good and wonderful and right. However, if the if the organization of the congregation in our midst is not trusted by the neighborhood to be a place of grace and of mercy and of welcome, mm-hmm. then what are we doing? Yeah. And, if, and what if, we're, if we're not actively being called out on that, either by ourselves or by people, voices from the outside, what are we doing? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, like like you allude to, Dan, that this is not only the first birthplace of the church, but this is the place where we die and rise over and over again mm-hmm. um, in the church's own baptism. So this is also, also the death day of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that connects really well with the Joel part. Mm-hmm. Like blood and fire and smoky mist and the sun turned to darkness the moon to blood that's the world ending yep and that's part of this too everything that was is gone there's a new tomorrow it's a new world which is incredibly exciting and beautiful and also terrifying and there's going to be some growing pains living into that new reality and mourning what's what we've had to leave behind. I think, yeah. I mean, we do mourn what we have, what what we leave behind. But I also think, in the moment that Jill describes, like, I don't know if we're going to be around. You know, hmm. like this isn't just like a small dying and rising. This isn't like a reset. This is like an erasure of what creeps upon the earth. You know, blood mm-hmm. <laughs> and fire and smoky mist portents in the heaven and signs on the earth below the moon turns to blood and the sun to darkness life ends entirely and not not that i think joel was meaning for us to take all things literally but i think that we are to take the depth of the metaphor literally like it's not part of our life that's ending all mm-hmm. of it yeah and like you were saying, you brought up the baptismal imagery. And like, when we say that we've died to sin, you don't just die a little bit. You know, like, you're gone. <laughs> yeah. First Corinthians? Yeah. Yeah, let's see if it helps us. Our second reading comes from First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 3b through 13. No one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of services, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given the given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, 
to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, all of these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. We read this a lot, um, either in moments of installing council members or uh, moments of uh, lifting up new leaders or new people in the church. Um, but I think this particular passage, passage challenges our ecclesiology probably more than we understand it to. Hmm. Um, and especially uh, in, for me, seven, eight, and nine, or I mean seven going on, um, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, um, which I understand that to mean, as we see in the rest of the verses, we're not all given the same manifestation of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then the part that really trips me up is faith is listed as one of those that's given to some, but not all. Um, it is one of the gifts given, but not, <laughs> but not, not set aside as a universal moment, not set aside as a universal thing for all people. And I think inside of our current ecclesial structure, we assume all people are given faith. Mm -hmm. And I like to assume that. I like to operate from that understanding. But here... We have um, one's given wisdom and other uh, knowledge and another faith and another gifts of healing, another miracles, another prophecy. I wonder why faith would be given. And, and, and before we accept this altogether, before we say, well, Ben, why don't you just like look at the Greek and like figure this out on your own time? Um, I think it's good to at least play with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Why would these things be given separately? Why are these things not instilled in all of us? Why are we seen as one, yet very, very divided, given the ways that the Spirit is divided among us? What came to mind is, like, have you ever met somebody who is really good at praying? Mm -hmm. And, like, that sounds kind of silly in some ways, like, I'm good at praying, but some people are like yeah. some people just have a way of praying that is inspirational, a way that um, really excites your heart, uh, really makes you think about things in a new way, helps you hear the voice of God. Mm -hmm. And some people aren't. And some people are good at prayer for a season and not at another. And like, like it's a messy thing. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's, similar to the gift of faith. Uh, it all has to, the point of all of this is that it benefits the common good. And so if your prayer is only benefiting you, I mean, that's one thing, but those gifts are meant to be shared. And the same is true with faith. Like your, your trust in God can be an inspiration or at least ballast for somebody who's struggling right now, because we don't all have that gift all the time, like you were saying. And I think that's totally legitimate. 
But I don't, I, I guess I don't understand the gift of faith. I, I think I do, but it's not as easy for me to explain what I think should happen with that gift as it is for wisdom or for healing, you mm -hmm. know? Um, if you have faith, is that if your gift is faith, then what should you contribute or what is your usefulness to the church? I mean, honestly, I think it's to inspire faith in others, as weird as that might sound. And like an example I think would be is like talking to somebody who's going through a tough time. Maybe they've lost a loved one. Maybe they've just received a really difficult medical diagnosis and you talk with them and, or maybe they're willing to share their testimony or to pray or whatever it is. And they say, this is really tough, but I know that no matter what happens, God's got me, that we're going to be okay and God will never leave me and how that can inspire people, um, that can give people hope where they don't have it. It's not as tangible as somebody teaching the Bible study or somebody suturing your wounds on your leg or something like that. But I think it's still there and still important. I think of, I think of all the times that, you know, I as a pastor, but also before my time as a pastor, I as um, a layperson would ask people in my church, you know, what it would be like to stand up for the people around us that aren't given the same privileges as I am as a white cis male, um, cis het male. And, and I always think of the, the overwhelming majority of folks would say some sort of excuse whether denying that the privilege exists or pointing towards the perceived faults of whoever else they feel like we're supposed to be helping or or telling me why they can't and the priorities of their life that come before it. But every once in a while there's somebody that says, yeah, I'm willing to do that. Mm -hmm. I think that is a moment of faith. Mm -hmm. Um, not necessarily in me, in fact, not in me at all, but the, this faith is believing what we should be doing, like believing that we have lives to live out, and it's not lives of expertise, and it's not lives of, you know, ability, it's just lives of willingness, willingness to walk into the mess of it all. And I think those moments are sadly rare, but also a wonderful gift when we're able to see them. Mm. And it's a gift that produces the beginnings of healing and of wisdom and of courage. I, I think we can see a lot of other gifts being paired with it, but without the ability to say yes, like all the other gifts just kind of sit on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where do you find people helping grow faith in your current context, Dan? I mean, that's what's kind of cool. That's a really cool question because it can be answered in so many different ways. Like you can talk about parents who are teaching their kids the Lord's Prayer, and you can talk about people who are uh, willing to talk about their struggle with alcoholism, but their faith in God pulled them through. They knew that their higher power had them, or anything like that. You can talk about people who are show compassion to people who are going through a faith crisis of their own, um, and able to say, you know, God can handle it. You know, and I, I know this is really tough for you. Um, 
that's kind of where I see it. My congregation does a really good job. I would say I would say one of the spiritual gifts that I see in a lot of people at the congregation is looking out for one another. Like when somebody's going through a tough time, you'll get a phone call. Um, you'll you will be prayed for. Um, and I think that that can be a really good and beautiful thing as long as we continue to expand that thoughtfulness and that sharing of faith beyond our walls and beyond the people we're used to. Yeah. How about you? Where do you see it in your context? I see it happening a lot, but I, I can't point to any one ministry or any one thing that we're doing to cause it to happen. In fact, I think it's happening half the time accidentally, you know, mm -hmm. um, like we kind of know, we know that this is happening, but we're not sure what's causing it <laughs> or, or, or really how we can do better at it or how we are doing worse at it. Um, and we do have the people who call and I'm one of them and we have the people who pray and we have the people who visit and we have the people who reach out. We have the people who teach and we have the people who lead and, and they're all a part of those moments, but outside visitation, which is happening. Sometimes I feel like that development of faith we just assume is going to happen and we tend to it very little, you know. Um, it's kind of like I've got a row of flowers that was planted by somebody long before me um, uh, on the edge of the, the parsonage that, where I live. And they're, they're old Easter flowers so you can tell like hyacinths and tulips and stuff like that. And I do nothing to care for them. I just kind of assume that they're going to rise every year, mm -hmm. um, and and they do, but they don't look nearly as healthy as the ones that are cared for. Mm. And as I read this text, I know that the Spirit is the one that gives these things. I also, since we're tied together as a body, feel like I should be cultivating a little bit more than I do. Mm. I couldn't tell you how to grow it if I tried, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's the Pentecost tie-in that, like you said, that it's the Pentecost that is the, it's the, excuse me, the uh, spirit that gives mm -hmm. growth. It's a spirit that um, gives these gifts and is the source of these gifts. And so how do we just sort of keep our eyes out to see what's growing in our neighborhood and how do we continue to nurture it and care for it? knowing that we weren't the ones that planted it. That can be a really cool way to talk about the gifts of the church, a different way of framing it. Yeah. Because, I mean, maybe it's that struggle with works righteousness coming out again, but when I hear this passage, I'm like, okay, like my mind immediately goes to what gifts do I have and how do I do them and what's the best way to do it and am I going to be able to make them work enough uh, rather than more of a holy curiosity about the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given me or the people of my church or of my neighborhood and to be excited about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm in the same vein. I catch myself thinking strictly of productivity um, all the time. You know, what is the church producing? What is the church doing? How are we like 
bearing fruit um, and not only bearing fruit but what's our yield looking like you know mm-hmm. and it's, it's I don't know that the kingdom of God operates that way um, but I also don't know that's not true I am bad at being able to bring myself to a place where I'm not thinking that way hmm. I've seen myself there a few times but I'm not there all the time and nine times out of ten when somebody asks how much are we doing or what are we doing and what's the church doing here or there or anywhere else I get swept right up into that production mentality mm-hmm. like how many ministries can I list and how many hours and how much impact and all that kind of good stuff and it's real good for writing a grant but it's not necessarily what's being talked about here and that's I don't know maybe maybe to, I don't know, maybe get a little meta about it maybe that's one of the challenges that the that we read in the Bible as well, like thinking about the book of Acts. There's this narrative of the Holy Spirit is just doing its thing and everything's spreading like wildfire as far as people coming to faith and all of that. And Luke also goes out of his way to tell you, and about 3,000 people were baptized, and the whole town was baptized, and this number of people came to believe in Jesus, and like, like, are we keeping score, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's not the case, but in my mindset, that's where I go. It's like, wow, that's a lot. You know, we welcomed a dozen new members last year, and that was awesome. They did 3,000, dang, <laughs> you know? Yeah. like, And that's not the point, but I think that's part of that, part of our brokenness. Yeah, I mean, our brokenness tells us um, and the wisdom of this world tells us that like things don't just happen, you have to work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the wisdom of God says, sometimes they do. Yeah, gospel time. Yeah, let's go for it. The gospel for this Sunday comes from John, the 20th chapter. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house were locked, where the disciples had met for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said again to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. I mean, so six weeks ago, we read (laughs) this plus a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, not going to talk a whole lot about the first half of this reading, but those last couple verses, I think, are what tie into the Pentecost theme, if you want to focus on the Spirit stuff. I once heard a preacher say, uh, verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. Um, and she said, like, I hold on to my own sins so much. Like, it's heavy enough trying to hold on to my own sins when I refuse to let them go. So why am I going to try and hold on to yours too? Mm. And I don't know, that just stuck with me. I don't know, I I could see a sermon being, what would it look like to free people from the burden of carrying their sins? Yeah, there's a really popular um, counseling exercise that I've experienced and I think many others have too, where when we're having a hard time putting our own sins down uh, and not heaping coals on our own heads, 
um, the exercise is to do a contemplative exercise where you walk into a room and you see yourself sitting there um, and you also see a friend and so you first imagine the friend uh, across from you um, telling you about things that they're going through and you you look um, at them the way that we normally do a friend with compassion with caring with um, with grace and mercy and then you're asked to look at yourself and hear uh, the things that you're struggling with uh, from a from a distance you know from yourself speaking to you and you're asked to give that same grace and that same mercy mm -hmm. and that same forgiveness I think for so many of us it's really difficult to give ourselves the good gifts of God even as we want those things for all other people mm -hmm. I will say that there's also the converse that is true sometimes we feel like the good gifts of God are for everyone that we feel close to but not for the ones that we feel distant from mm -hmm. I'm really struck about how different I feel you mentioned uh, we read this on the second Sunday of Easter and again now and how different I feel hearing this in two different moments. Um, you know, on the second Sunday of Easter, I'm still jazzed about it being Easter, right? Like, and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it feels like we're going to run through a brick wall. And now, to use the words of the hymn, I am tired, I am weak, and I am worn. And <laughs> when, I hear, when I hear this text, like, my brain remembers being excited to hear it uh, on the second Sunday of Easter. And now I feel like we have gone through so much. Can we just stay in this room for a little bit longer? Maybe spread out some pillows, take a nap. <laughs> um, I'm not excited to leave. And I think this feeling might be closer to what the disciples were feeling than my post-Easter Sunday experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, I had this realization that like, I know some people have been keeping track how long their state has been in uh, stay-at-home orders and all of that. Mm. But just knowing that for the entire season of Easter, the church hasn't been able to safely gather, mm -hmm. um, that that hit me hard. And so thinking about that calling to forgive sins and retain sins and all of that. I mean, one thing to talk about would be when you feel like you should have done more and maybe you could have, and maybe you couldn't, maybe you could have donated more to that food pantry, or maybe you could have volunteered more, or maybe you could have helped out a neighbor more that one time and you didn't think of it or whatever it is. Sure. Maybe you couldn't, but like to give each other grace, like you're talking about, including mm -hmm. ourselves. Um, but also just more broadly, what people's, what are, what, what is wearing people down and how do we proclaim a word of grace to say, to lift those burdens 
to say this isn't going to hold you down forever. How do we speak Jesus's words, peace be with you, when folks are not feeling at peace? I think it's tough, but it's good. I don't know that we can say honestly that these burdens aren't going to hold people down because for many they already are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't, you know, I don't think Jesus denies what's happening um, as he comes into the room. I think peace is honest about what's happening. You know, Mm -hmm. the reason for speaking peace is because we don't feel peace. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, and I think the reason for speaking love to one another is, at least in part in this moment is because we feel far from it. And the reason for speaking grace for one another is because we haven't heard it lately. I think we need to pour out good things for people just deeply and richly and abundantly because we feel starved for them. And it doesn't really matter how long it's been, you know, if, if I, if I have a plant in my house and if the plants drooping two days after I water it and normally it's supposed to go a week and a half, water it again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, we don't need to keep track of how long we've been in certain places. We need to keep track of what it's doing to one another and how we can help each other do the things that we need to do and still live and thrive and survive through them. Also, to pull back the curtain a little bit, Dan and I are recording not in the morning, but at like three in the afternoon. And I think I, like Dan said, he was a little punchy at the beginning. I feel like I'm just a little like pessimistic or something. <laughs> like, so if through this whole thing, you're like, man, guys, this is terrible. Sorry. No, but that's the thing is like, you're not the only one. Like, we're all feeling that way. And I'm wondering, like, and that's what's interesting about the Holy Spirit, I think. is like we have these three passages that talk about the Spirit. And it's still the same Spirit. The Spirit that's with the disciples when they are scared out of their wits hiding behind closed doors, afraid that they're going to be killed next. The Holy Spirit comes. Jesus breathes the Spirit on them, gives them peace, gives them forgiveness. And the Spirit that's with the disciples during Pentecost is like fire and wind and people understand each other and people from all sorts of cultures and places gather together and are like bound together in this mission in this common uh, grace. And then you have it like the spirit is this activator of gifts that's going to change the world in us. So like, I think that might even preach just to talk about how it's the same spirit that meets us no matter where we are doing all kinds of things, like giving us that word of forgiveness when we're burdened by guilt putting a little bit of fire under us when we're feeling down, gathering us together with people who love us when we need that. The spirit can't be put in a box. And that's, that's good news, I think. And, you know, sometimes our preaching needs to be as flexible as Christ is in this moment. Mm -hmm. You know, Christ is the one that knows when to say peace. And Christ is the one that knows when to say how much longer must I be with you? You know? Mm-hmm. Mixtape? Yeah, let's do it. You know, Ben, that reminds me of a song. Nice.
Well, uh, should I go first this week? I can't remember who went last. I don't know either. Go for it, Dan. Yay, okay. So I chose a song by Christine and the Queens, uh, and the song is called The Stranger, and Christine and the Queens is a uh, sort of like a French pop artist. Um, she's got like very dancey, kind of groovable music, um, and so... I think, well, you know, like to do one more in honor of uh, Pentecost and the many languages that people are able to understand, uh, I go with the French version uh, because on the album there's the English version and the French version. So, Le Etranger, I don't know how to speak <laughs> French, so that's what I got. Um, but it's a really cool song. Uh, the part of the lyrics go, the part that I think is most relevant, uh, say, from the Maserati, I only kept the headlights. From their promised land, I only figured the fights. From his declaration, I only tasted the tears. From the congregation, flames have been burning for years. And so I like this idea of uh, the Holy Spirit being the strangers, uh, certainly very strange, uh, but showing up in our midst. Uh, and through this, uh, there's all this like hope in the promised land and the understanding of tears and also congregations of flames that have been bursting for years or busting for years. Uh, mm. And so like, yeah, the Holy Spirit, the stranger that just shows up and changes everything else <laughs> i like that i like that a lot i think i think we need that energy i think we need that fire you know uh i feel like i went similar and different at the same time um i'm pretty sure that i've used this before but it's just been in my head all week and it fits what i am feeling with the text so who cares it's my mixtape yeah <laughs> <laughs> And it's uh, it's living on a prayer by Bon Jovi. Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and although I don't know really... if it was that one, I think it was. Uh... Well, I did another one a couple of weeks ago, which was uh, shot, shot through the through heart. The heart. You love... Yeah, um, you give love a bad name. Yeah, this might have been like you know a while ago, but either way, um, Bon Jovi, especially his earlier like hair ballad stuff. Um, he wasn't really a hair ballad guy, but like his big hair stuff. Um, it's been in my head lately and I think it's a mix of um, the hopefulness and the kind of energy in the songs but also just the way that the song is quiet at the beginning and by the end you're screaming you know mm -hmm. and I want a little bit of that energy in my life right now um, and I see the the hopefulness in this and the admittance of the struggle um, of life, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to say Bon Jovi is the deepest uh, songwriter I've <laughs> listened to, but like, but um, you got to admit that uh, when Tommy's got a six string in the hawk and he's holding in when he used to make it talk so tough, those lyrics stick with you, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so I, I just when I when I come to these lessons once again. And I feel tired, weak, and worn um, in a different way than I had when I first heard them. 
I also hear a song coming through Jesus' word of peace and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That we really are living on the prayer of Christ. And just <laughs> in the same way that, you know, in our scripture and all the way up to now, people have been saying, we're in the last days and look at the signs. Um, uh, I think we're, we're halfway there and we're living in the prayer. Yeah, I like that, especially that that feeling of, like, we don't have everything figured out. You know, this yeah. isn't something you can plan for and make everything right. And so much of life, especially now, I think people are feeling that a lot. Like, we're living on a prayer by, by the grace of God, by the blowing of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I mean, and what great words at the end of the pre-chorus... Uh, we've got each other, and that's a lot for love. We'll give it a shot. Like, oh, man, <laughs> I love that approach to life. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, let's try. At the very least, let's try. All right, so I've got a proposal. Go for it. So you know how some churches, there was a thing, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, they were kind of going around where people were doing u 2 uh, yeah. songs and put it in yeah. a worship service. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bon, yeah. what would that? I, what, I can't think of a good pun for it, but Bon Jovi worship. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So far, I've got Bon Jovial. <laughs> bon Jovierist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, my my brother and I once made up um, the same format with Journey, mm. and we called it Journey to the Cross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was yes. pretty terrible. Like, we, a sermon series right there yeah. oh not at all <laughs> <laughs> we're strictly doing it you know just to get laughs out of it um nice yeah uh, and yeah i think we can make a lot of songs uh, people are doing that with beyonce as well uh-huh um, yeah i heard of that and uh, i mean there was some actually there was some really actually good work done with beyonce stuff um not that i not that i'm the one to place value on anything or not but i was impressed by it cool well, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's going to do it for us over here at Lectionary Mixtape. Uh, join us next week as we start into the long season after Pentecost of Common Time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sticking around with us through uh, three real, really melodramatic experiences of Scripture and uh, some really energetic Bon Jovi talk. Um, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but thanks for sticking with us through these conversations. Thanks for being a part of these, even when uh, both you all and Dan and I um, struggle through the realities of life. Um, I think that is one of the gifts of the lectionary, and it is a pleasure to be able to share those with you. Um, mm-hmm. I look forward to spending the green season with you as well, and uh, we'll be back next week. Ciao. <laughs> Bye.